none of this journey stuff, none of this adventure stuff, none of the highs and lows, nor any of the emotions you love having are possible when you are purely the mind of God, everywhere, always at once. It was from that ecstatic place where God wondered what it would be like to fleetingly forget that God is everywhere, always at once. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of Spiritual Tune-Ups. These were broadcasted live, my answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness, and each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for another spiritual tune-up. Thank you so much for these opportunities. Thanks for your great questions. One came in yesterday on the heels of yesterday's talk about what happens after we die. Do we worry about the friends and family we left behind? Mike, how do we know for sure the ascension you spoke of yesterday moving through the veil is not just into another matrix. Since we were lied to from the start, why would truth be spoken now? Well, remember the people doing the lying were people. They were people. They were mere mortals at a very dark, difficult time in these sacred jungles of time and space. Thousands of years ago when nobody trusted anybody and people who were power hungry tried to manipulate channeled words from saints on high into a means of scaring folks and gaining power. So it's not like the source of reality lied to us. It's not like source or God has two faces, but there's so much we can deduce ourselves. And to answer the question, how do I know what I know? Uh, this comes up quite a lot. Uh, some of the people who made comments yesterday on my answers were like, you know, thought I was crazy, like I'm just making it up. But there's a common theme I find in doubters. And they, they have this idea like nobody could know. It's not for us to know. You can think and speculate and have wishful, hopeful thoughts, but nobody can know. And I totally, totally disagree with that. I'm going to go there in just a second. But first, let me answer the matrix part. You know what happens after the matrix of time and space? You get the matrix after time and space. You do get another matrix. It is not reality, but that does not mean it's not real. Okay, I know this is words slipping when applied to truth. Time is an illusion. We've all gathered that. It's proven science right now. Time, space, and matter are illusions. Yet, for the people within time, space, and matter, they're real. They're something to contend with. And they make our journeys possible. These fleeting lies of have and have not, here versus there, now versus later, those fleeting lies put us in a perceived present moment apart from all other moments. And if we don't like our lot, we, get, we bust a move and a journey begins and then there's an adventure and then we have a dream and we're moving and moving and learning and grooving. None of this journey stuff, none of this adventure stuff, none of the highs and lows, nor any of the emotions you love having are possible when you are purely the mind of God everywhere, always at once. 
It was from that ecstatic place where God wondered what it would be like to fleetingly forget that God is everywhere always at once. I'll get to my rationale and my proof of this in just a minute. But it was from that place where God wondered what it would be like to not know that she is everywhere always at once. And so time and space were invented. Ego took over so that it could negotiate the illusions. There's still a reality here, but it's not the reality. And beyond here, when you're fresh out of the jungles of time and space on the other side, from all accounts, and there's a ton of them, go to YouTube, near-death experiences, traveling to the light, plus a lot of channeled material, biblical scripture material. When you're on the other side, you're still playing with illusions. You're still playing with space. You're still playing with a sequence of thoughts, but it's much looser. And beyond that, it's even looser. And beyond that, it's even looser until ultimately we mesh and blend back in to being everywhere always at once, which does not mean you lose your identity, which does not mean you dissolve like a cube of sugar into hot water, never to be heard from or seen again. That would be utterly terrifying that you exist now, you exist eternally, because this now is in the eternal moment. And while we can't get our logical sequential thought brains around that, you can rest assured that if you exist now, you are eternal in the form that you are now. And there's more forms of you as well. So yes, there's another matrix and another matrix and another matrix until we get all the way home. And then we go like, Let's go back. That was so cool. I thought I was this tall, bald guy. I thought I was a writer. I thought I was unemployed. I thought I was homeless. I thought, oh my God, this time we'll be best friends and we'll share books and we'll watch spiritual tune-ups. So just because something is not bedrock reality doesn't mean it doesn't have a reality. Doesn't mean it's not real within it. Like a nighttime dream. It's real when you're in it, but when you're on the outside, you can laugh. And we're all going to have a big roaring laugh at the adventures that are now before us. Now, let me pin this down with what I view are discernible, deducible, logical, intuitive observations of what is. Observations of what is. Answering the question, well, nobody can really know, can they? Nobody is sure. Nobody can possibly, you know, it's not right for mortal minds to even speculate baloney, baloney. It's your highest responsibility to say, what the hell's going on? Where am I? How did I get here? And what can I do with my time and space? And there's answers for those. Your brain might not be able to answer a lot of other questions about the gaseous makeup of a black hole, but who the hell cares about that? Your happiness is on, on deck right now, and you can know all about your happiness. Let's start at the beginning and connect a few basic dots. And for those of you that this isn't sufficient for, well, and then I challenge you to come up with something that is sufficient because you can know enough to have traction to live a rocking, joyful life. Let me make an observation of what is. And I think virtually all of you will agree, life is flipping beautiful. No, you can't really know that. Yes, you can know that. Life is crazy beautiful. And while you can point to exceptions and miserable people and starving and atrocities, by and large, there are very few people who wouldn't fight tooth and nail to have one more day because it's crazy beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm looking out the window and the woods and the trees and the sun and the dappled shade and the birds and the dogs and the raccoons. 
It's like, it's so beautiful. You can know that. It's your job and responsibility to know that. It will lift you higher into the night, light, into the light. What else can you observe simply through what is? We are powerful. Holy cow, we are powerful. You are so powerful. We can literally move mountains with bulldozers. We can probably do it with our minds. Look at the pyramids in Giza and Teotihuacan in Mexico. Oh my gosh, humanity has done that. Sparks of, sparks of the divine come alive in matter have done that. We know DNA technology. We can make our dreams come true. We've discovered not only are we powerful. I mean, look at you now commanding the world from your little cockpit in front of your laptop or your cell phone. You've got the power. You cannot deny that you're not powerful. You are absolutely powerful. Human beings, uh, among other creatures, but human beings, whoo, they take it to another level. So powerful. Now, we can't really say we're powerful because nobody really knows if we're powerful. Of course we can say we're powerful. Life is beautiful. We are powerful. Where does that power come from? Indisputably, 100%, nail it down. It comes from your chosen focus, where you direct your attention. Energy flows where attention goes, right? And we see the proof everywhere. That which I fear has come upon me. That which I dreamed of has come true. Our thoughts become the things and events of our lives. Scientists are finally catching up with that. There's all kinds of studies about the observer having an effect on their observations in a laboratory. Thoughts become things. Life is beautiful. We are powerful and our power comes from our thoughts and nobody can deny that. These building blocks never end. You can keep on going. We are more than our physical body. We have these dreams at night. We have imagination. We can deduce that our, our thought, our energy, our consciousness is channeled through our body. Brain cells, biology do not create. It's never been shown. There's no reason to think that our thoughts emerge from cells in our brains. These instruments channel energy, the same energy that we experience when, when we have a nighttime dream independent of our physical body. And so suddenly now we're like, wow, we're more than our physical body. Well, maybe we can live beyond our physical body. Hey, Einstein has proven that time, space, and matter are illusions, yet we are here alive in the illusion. Something came before the illusion, thought, the thoughts of God that passed the baton to us, and now it's our thoughts perpetuating. This is known science. Okay, so we're not strapped to the physical body. We are eternal. If time is non-existent, it's, there's only an eternal now. And so we are part of that eternal now. You've got nothing to fear when it comes to the notion of death. Nobody dies. Everyone lives on because we're not stuck with our biology. We drop the biology and we move on to other frontiers. As so many have accounted in near-death experiences in scripture and in other works, religious or otherwise, common sense, seeing what is, shows that we are eternal beings. We can also deduce and see that we're all connected and that when one suffers, we all suffer a little bit. When one thrives and soars and changes the world with an invention or a bright idea, we all benefit. We are connected. Ultimately, we are one. We are expressing the divine through different lenses. As Ken Carey says, the lens of Mike Dooley, the lens of who we can deduce this and we must. It's empowering. It's beautiful. We can deduce that there's really only love or we never would have crawled out of the oceans by now. We would have been struck down 
The cards are stacked in our favor. We're inclined to succeed. We are of the divine. When I say the divine, I'm not talking about G-O-D from a religion. Okay, I am not religious. Religions are man-made. We all know that. You don't need religion to be spiritual. And so all of a sudden, for lack of a better word, call it the universe or source energy or all that is, it is something. There's intelligence everywhere in these jungles of time and space. And then we connect another dot. There's order everywhere in time and space. And another dot, there's meaning to absolutely everything that happens in time and space. And love is the glue that holds it all together. Even at the end of your rope, in your darkest moments in this lifetime, with some hindsight, you can look back and there's lessons. There was order. It makes sense. You're grateful for that dark night of the soul. Talk about the game being rigged. Everything adds to who you are and makes you more. These are baby dots that any child can connect instead of saying, well, nobody can know, right? Nobody can really prove anything. I've just proved it all. Um, we live in a gorgeous bastion of perfection where eternal beings, the eyes and the ears of God Almighty come alive in the dream of life here because we chose to be here. And if something doesn't make sense yet, hold on, it's going to make sense. And if something's difficult now, hold on, the rewards are not far off. You're pushed on to greatness every single day because you are the stuff of the stars. You are God Almighty. That's how I know this stuff. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Thanks for joining me. This question today posed by viewers involves parenting teenagers. Something I've not yet done myself, but I do have a few tips. Mike, I would love support in parenting and embodying the teachings and what I know to be true when it comes to relationships with my teenage boys. They are on their own path and I struggle with how to parent in the traditional sense versus recognizing that they have their own journey. I can slip into anxiety and worry as it relates to them and their choices. Any tips? All right, this is tip central, so um, here we go. I'm going to first reassure you, uh, and this is the topic of the last few days, that you are going through the perfect storm for your growth and glory. Just as your teenage boys are going through the perfect storm for their growth and glory. Nothing is by chance and you pick them as much as they picked you and one another because you would learn the most and have the most fun and be most likely to totally hit the ball out of the park. A home run as the uh, American expression goes. So what I'm about to share may require some transition. That's part of the perfect storm. We can all look back and say, you know, I, I didn't do all that I could have, or I'm not now doing all that I could have. And now that I see more clearly, how do I get there? Oh, all hope is lost. No hope is lost. That you are at this place of asking this question means you are so poised and perfectly timed to receive the answer and you will figure out ways to incorporate it. Remember, I have not raised teenage, teenagers, period, much less boys. But yet, I think sometimes that may be helpful when you're on the outside and you can see things with less of the subjective trappings that you may be going through right now. I'm going to mostly skip the talk 
on the importance of love being your guiding light because clearly you have an abundance of it. I mean, you are, you are totally where you need to be in uh, regards of love. Next, I want to share with you some, a core tenant or two of a book I received when my daughter was born. Um, a great friend sent it. Uh, it's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Dr. Meg Meeker. Dr. Meg Meeker. What a background, what a platform to know what she's speaking of. A psychologist, a medical doctor has seen adolescents from birth to all the way through their teenage into their adult years, a fount of wisdom. And she's written quite a few books. Some are geared to raising boys. So I could not more highly recommend Dr. Meg Meeker, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And one of the biggest takeaways I got from that book eight years ago was the importance of realizing that you are the parent and that it is our job to, to speak to our kids by your son's age as if they were adult, adults, but do not speak to them as equals. Now, of course, I'm not getting into spirituality and metaphysics right now. You are the boss. La Hefa. Okay, you need to be the boss. They need to know you're the boss. And this can be done with so much love. But in the book about fathers and daughters, she explains how much a kid all the way through to full maturity and teenage boys are not fully mature. She points out with her medical background that teenagers brains are not even fully developed. Um, of course, they would uh, beg to differ, but they, they do not have the faculties any more than they did when they, when they were toddlers. They cannot see all that they need to see, whereas you can. You have that special role, that chosen guardian role through metaphysics. They wanted you to be their mom, and, and it's not by chance. And it's because you had the strength to kind of see things through. And so one of the most important things is while you always need to speak and hear as if they were adults, don't treat them like toddlers anymore, not that you are, do not consider them your equal in the sense of perspective and laying down some boundaries. This is all important. They'll tell you they want the freedom, but as Dr. Meg Meeker points out, they, they don't even know what freedom is and it scares them to death and they would much rather have a strong-willed, strong-minded, loving parent telling them no so that they can lash out against you and not face their fears than allowing you to give them enough rope to get into a lot of trouble. So the importance of this is really, really clear. They cannot make those kind of decisions. That's why you are there. That's why you are their loving choice. Um, I have six tips for you. These are more of my own just from simple observation, a little bit of deductive reasoning. I think they're pretty simple. They're, they're almost trite. They work, they work for all age kids or grandkids. Um, routines, routines on screen time, bedtime, good food, exercise. And I know a lot of parents who don't give screen time limits. We always have here, and it has been the biggest boon to parenting because it's just like matter of fact. It's like, oh, well, I've spent my couple hours or whatever it is on a Saturday or a Sunday and that's it. And there's no argument because this has always been the routine. If you've 
Let them have unlimited whatever, Cheetos, popcorn, junk food, screen time. Well, you're going to have to reel that in and you're going to have to talk with them as if they were adults from your experience with your wisdom. Play games, do negotiations. Works wonders with an eight-year-old. Negotiate. Can't have this, but let's go over here. And if we go over here, then I need to see that. Oh my gosh, negotiating works so well. Then it's never a hard no. Although there could well be times for a very hard no. And if you're in transition, just do the best you can and it will be perfect. It's okay that you've brought them this far with whatever rules you had, however loose they may have been. It was the perfect grounding for them to discover some identity, discover some strength. And now it's okay to say, look, the rules are going to change just a little bit. And here's the negotiating tactic. And here's the trade-off. And this is what we're going to do. And this weekend will be the beach and whatever, whatever you're capable of doing. But, but as all parenting books will tell you, routines. And those routines ought to be fast and firm until they fly the nest. This is similar to routines, but uh, for me, almost without exception, I do not make exceptions. Okay. It's like giving a dog food at the table. You do it one time, you're up the creek. Okay. You're up the creek. Never, never, never make exceptions. Work around, negotiate, do something different, pass their bedtime, two more minutes on the TV. Two more minutes on the TV is better than picking up the remote and just shutting it off. But do not make these major concessions, which will turn every single day into unending negotiations. So take that with a grain of salt. There are exceptions to the no exceptions rule. Okay. And there's always great grace and beauty and power in hearing them out and at times saying, you know what, you're right. And I, I didn't, I didn't judge that right. And I made a mistake. Okay. That'll give you so much credibility from time to time. If things just aren't right and you wished you had taken another tact and their argument is better than your argument in, in many realms, um, a concession is in order. Number three, I already shared this, talk to them, hear them as if they were adults, but they're not equals in the sense of laying down the rules. They're not equals in the sense of what's fair negotiation. Okay. Talk to them as adults, not as equals with regard to your parenting job. Of course, they're equal spiritual gladiators of love and joy. And in the last lifetime, they were your parents. In the next lifetime, you'll probably be siblings. Who knows what? But as a parent, you're the parent, you get the last word, you carry the big stick, but don't use it on them. Okay. You don't need to, you don't need any physical abuse whatsoever. Number four, share with them metaphysics, share with them this stuff, uh, the woo woo, as we affectionately call it, share with them creative visualization when they have something that they want a goal or an object. Uh, or they lost their phone, like my daughter this morning. Okay, we're going to visualize it. It's in our hand. This stuff works. Show them the secret. The secret, Rhonda Burns DVD movie. I think it's free on Amazon or YouTube uh, these days. Is, a, is all about the law of attraction. You probably have already heard it. And by the time they're teenagers and they want stuff, they want things, they want to achieve the video, more than the book, in my opinion, the video is just mind candy. It's just, 
they get it. They totally get it. And they can be excited about different things in a brand new way if they've not yet been exposed fully to metaphysics. Number five, beyond core behavior, like you're not going to stay out past whatever, or you're, you're going to eat three meals or it's whatever beyond core behavior, never prejudge. Like all of a sudden you find out something didn't go, hear them out, hear them out and don't give ultimatums. Okay. With regard to beyond core behavior. Now, I mean, there could be some behavior, you may have an ultimatum, but ultimatums almost always unravel. They tend to blow up in your face. You made a big threat. They crossed the line. Now you have to do that threat and you regret it. Don't go there by avoiding ultimatums when it's beyond a core behavior expectation. And if they break a core behavior expectation, well, you sit down with them, speak and listen as adults. Um, but you call the final shot. You decide whether there's a curfew. You decide whether there's uh, some kind of consequence to their behavior. And then the very last one, number six, which you have already mastered, keep on loving them. Just let love be your light. Ask love, what should I do? What would love do is the question that Neil Donald Walsh asks in his brilliant series titled Conversations with God. What would love do? You're going to find yourself in unfamiliar territory. I still do every single day with uh, my daughter. And you want to be open to an answer that you've never even considered before. It might not be, you know, praise them, punish them. It might be none of the above. It might be a combination. It might be a diversion. Um, with love, you leave the door open to creative ideas, creative solutions, uh, where everyone can win, 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 win. Well, I, I know that you've got uh, your work cut out for you, but I know that it's a joyful work. Uh, a salute to the parents and the grandparents out there, the guardians, uh, etc. It's not an easy job, but it can be, of course, uh, a most, most rewarding job. There you have it, fellow podcast listener. Now, let's stay in the zone. If you haven't already, please visit my website, tut.com, where you can sign up along with one million other subscribers for my free daily notes from the universe. You can also find out about my infinite possibility membership for a price you choose. Every single Tuesday, I do a live broadcast, a 30-minute mini manifesting workshop. Members have access to the last 52 mini manifesting workshops. So check it out. And if you have a moment and these podcasts move you, I would be deeply grateful for a review at the Apple podcast platform. Go to tut.com, look for spiritual tune-ups, look for the link for podcast. If you send us a screen grab of your published review at Apple, We've got a very special bonus waiting for you. Check out the links, read all about it. Thanks for being here and I'll see you on the next podcast installment.